good to see everybody today, and I see some new faces um, that I haven't met yet and hope to meet you after church, and I know some are here for the baby dedication, so welcome, everybody. We're so glad you're here. I do want to explain a couple things. Um, Sometimes when you're new into a church, there's things that aren't normal that you're used to seeing. So I kind of want to just explain a couple things so you understand. Um, How many have your favorite uh, sports team? (laughs) Cardinal fans, Packer fans, Bear fans, I don't know what you are, what's in here. But how many know when you love your team so much, you don't mind shouting and screaming for them to get that touchdown or home run, right? And so that's how we are in church. It's just the same thing, even though it's not uncomfortable because you don't understand the team yet. We're just shouting for Team Jesus, amen? So if we get a little loud, and that's, that's why it's just really easy to understand that way. And um, it's normal to feel a little uncomfortable when you're in a setting that isn't normal to you, okay? So it's okay. And I also wanted to explain, when we pray for people, there's sometimes you see people fall down, and you're probably like, what the heck is that about? I even have people who have been in church for a long time ask that, and so it's very normal. And what it is, is it's the Holy Spirit, the presence of God that's touching their life, and they just feel like they want to fully surrender to that touch. And it's biblical. You can find it in the Word of God. A lot of fun things happen when God touches you in the Bible. We don't see all of them in the church yet, but I'm sure one day it will be very common. So that's just what it is. It's just a surrender saying, God, whatever work you're doing in me, you can have permission. Amen. Full, uh, full way to work in my life. Amen. All right. So I'm excited. I'm starting on lesson or yeah, week three of our selfless series. And um, I've enjoyed this series. It's a little challenging because when you're telling a, a group of people that we need to stop being selfish and be selfless can be a a little uncomfortable, can it? But I'm really trying to break the culture that we live in in America where we really come about ourselves. And that's so evident in social media, you know, Instagram, all the platforms. And there's nothing wrong with it because I'm a big social media girl too. But really working that inside of us to learn to be others conscious, especially I believe we're coming into a time in the kingdom of God where God talks about the harvest is ripe. And I think the world is ready for Jesus. I think the world needs hope. They need healing. They need an answer, amen. The world wants an answer, and they don't have one, and I know that Jesus is the answer, and I believe God is going to reach this city with his love, and Faith Builders is a part of that, and uh, coming into this new year, God really challenged my heart to prepare the church, that this is an instructional season for us as the church, especially Faith Builders, because I'm the one speaking in your lives, is that we need to get ready for what God's about to do, and you know, becoming selfless, and really readjusting our schedule, and our time, and sacrificing sacrifice, it doesn't happen overnight. So as I'm teaching these lessons, I'm praying that God is willing away over our mindsets and shattering them so that when he's really ready to use you, you'll be fully prepared. And you'll go, that's what she was talking about. You know, when the Holy Spirit starts, starts to speak to your heart. And so on week one, I talked about being bold in our witness, and um, you can go online and listen to any of our teachings if you've missed them. They're free on our website or our app. We want the Word of God to be free, amen, so that people's lives can be changed. And I just encourage you to listen to all of these together, because coming in 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 one of the middle ones, it might not all make sense. So the first week, we talked about being bold in our witness, being strong for Jesus, not uh, hiding our light under a bushel. We learned that in kindergarten, this little light of mine. 
I'm gonna let it shine. How many remember that? This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. Just kidding. We're not gonna go anymore. There's like 10 verses. We're not gonna sing them. But we learn that as children, don't we, that we need to be the light of the world. And in today, it seems like the, the Goliath of the world is trying to bully us and shut us down, but we're gonna let Jesus prevail. Amen. And the second week, I talked about being faithful in our service and the importance of finding a place to give of yourself. You know, I see many families that go to food pantries in the holidays and help feed the homeless and helping build the kingdom of God. And, and our Poly Praise team goes out for the orphanages. And our missionaries, we're going to do a missions trip, by the way, in November with our missionaries. And we'll be talking about that very soon. So if you guys want to go on a missions trip, we're going. And eventually we're going to plant a faith builders in Milwaukee. We've been talking about that. And so anyway, we're an extension of the kingdom of God. Amen. So today you're kind of coming in on the third part of uh, our selfless teaching. And the title is called Extravagant Generosity. And I know we have many visitors here this morning, and I'm so glad that you're here. And I really want to preface this, that we are not a money church. Um, You probably can go through two years of my teachings, and I am not a money preacher. But this is part of my series of learning to be um, extravagant in generosity. Not because the church needs your money, not because we're trying to have fancy houses and have fancy cars. Come on, somebody. We're trying to do something for Jesus, amen. And it takes the the generosity of people to do what God's called to do here on earth. We're so blessed that we're able to buy Bibles. At the end, we're going to give Bibles to new believers. We've given out probably 30 Bibles the last two or three weeks in our church. People didn't have the word of God, and that's because people were generous. You know, we we were able to, uh, we said, monies to our missionaries that they can be sponsored. And we send money to ISIS children with Victor Marks that he's rescuing orphan children um, where their parents have been killed by ISIS. And he's giving them Jesus and loving them back to life. And incredible ministry that I'm so proud to partner with. We do a lot. And that takes extravagant generosity, doesn't it? And I can tell you this morning that as a, as a woman of God and as a pastor, I am not trying to fill my buckets full, but I'm trying to be blessed to be a blessing. Amen. How much more can we give away How many, can we put water wells in villages? What can we do with the resources God has called us to do? My dream as a pastor, and I know we're going to see it one day, I want to sponsor a whole village in another country and put water wells right in their village that everyone can have access to water, amen, and not have to fight for it. And I believe we'll do that. And it takes extravagant generosity. And I know that um, God is bringing this teaching because we need to change our perspective. I know the church has had a black eye when it comes to giving. Even though that's 30 years ago, it was abused. We still have a black eye and it has been abused, you know. And I think God wants to unlock some of our mindsets in this time because it takes resources to reach the world for Jesus. Amen. And you are an extravagant giving church. I cannot be more blessed. I mean, we raised $10,000 in in a week and you guys are beautifying our property. We raised 50000 to put our youth in that he's discipling, talking about. That's the kind of things I'm talking about, amen? And uh, unlocking the reason why we're created that brings you true joy, amen? So as I was studying about this selfless series, and I've done a lot of research on the internet to put all this together, uh, last week I came across a few funny articles. This week I came across this article, and it kind of cracked me up, and it said this, science shows us that we are selfish, And I cracked up because I'm like, do we really need science to tell me I'm selfish? Has it become so scientific? Because to me, it's the most obvious thing in the world. Just go to the mall on Saturday, right? We're pretty selfish. It's like like taking a two-year-old and saying, hey, I'm going to teach you a life lesson here, okay? I'm going to give you a gift. 
And then I'm going to take it from you, and then you're going to scream, mine, right? We don't have to teach that to our children. It's instinctively nature to be selfish, right? And that's the kind of thing that I want to break is we want to break that instinctive nature that says that we're selfish and learn to be unselfish in every way. And not just with money, but in your time, you know, opening your home up in servanthood. You know, it takes, if you want to take a family out to dinner and say, I want to love on this family, I feel like they need hope and encouragement today, and you just pay for that bill or, you know, send them off with the $50 bill. That's the kind of generosity I'm talking about, the kind of generosity that changes someone's life, not fills bank accounts, okay? And those are some of the things that I want to undo in your thinking so that you can be liberated to be blessed, to be a blessing, amen? In this study that I studied, it said, and I'm sorry, guys, but it said that men are generally more selfish than women, I know. I know. I'm sorry. It's not, I'm not saying this because I'm a woman. I'm just saying the article said it. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> but the study says that in the male's neurological reward system, all right, simmer down, everybody. I stirred up the nest. In a male system, there's something about when they do something self-centered, they're stimulated by it. There's something in their neurological brain. I have a friend who said, when I'm done, you know, when I'm done working, I'm going to retire to the um, uh, forest, and I'm going to fish, and I'm going to hunt, and that's how I want to live. And that's how a man feels reward, right? They're going back to the dirt from which they came. (laughs) God created you from it. I guess you can go back to it. (laughs) But there's something, you know why? Because men are survivor mode, aren't they? You're like, I got to do what it takes to take care of my family. It's like grunt work, you know? But women, we're different. We are, we have a dopamine release in our brain. We get excited when we're helping others, when we can really see someone else's life change. I know every woman in this place, we want to make a difference, don't we? And women are doing that today, and I'm so thankful for that, you know? And so that, that's, women are different than men in that way. And so uh, women have a tendency to be more generous than men do because of that. And if you've ever been a waitress, anybody ever a waitress here today or waiter, you always were gracious to the woman because the woman would probably give you a better tip than the man would give you. Or she'd get jealous and she'd never give you a tip, right? <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about this today and we're going to uh, try to break the culture of this self-gratification. You know, this time that we live in that I need to get all I can get, right? I want to store it all up. I'm going to get what's mine. You know, we have this mentality. And if you're following Jesus, if you're a disciple of Christ, and we learned this a couple of weeks ago in Matthew 16, 24, he said, if you want to be my disciple, a follower of Christ, what did he say to do? Don't indulge yourself. He said, you must deny yourself. That means in the kingdom, it's not about us, is it? My time, my resources, uh, my servanthood, it's not about me. It's about others so I can give life away. He said, you must first deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then follow Christ. Amen. And we've got to change this mentality that we're really living for ourselves in the kingdom. We're really living for Jesus. And when you, the Bible says, pray one for another that you may be healed. Isn't that interesting? And we can go to the elders for prayer, that's scriptural, but you also can pray for someone else and God will give it back to you because that's his word. That's the the law of reciprocity. What you give, you shall receive. And so I'd rather give and get what I want than always gimme, 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 right? And I'm never really happy because I'm consistently indulging 
and life still comes up empty, doesn't it? So rather than being selfish in all we do, God has called us to be extravagant in our generosity. Open up our hearts, amen, to people. Open up our hearts to the kingdom of God. I'm going to share uh, this scripture out of, uh, that Solomon was talking about in Proverbs 21, verse 26. And it says this. He was talking about lazy and selfish people. He's being very bold. And he said, all day long, he... The lazy and selfish craves and craves. He wants more and more, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. So what does the world want? I need more. I need to acquire more. You know, when we're young, it's like I need the perfect husband or wife. I need the house. I need the white picket fence. Give me the nice car. Okay, shout out. Give me the motorcycle. Give me the boat. Come on. We want more and more, and yet we're never really fully satisfied. Why we're craving, craving, because God did not design us to want more and more. He's designed us to give and give and give and give. But we hold back for whatever reason. And I'm going to show you some three mindsets today that will fall, one of you will fall in the category of one of them. And I'm hoping that God will unlock that. But the culture is to crave and to want more and more. If you ever follow uh, one of the superstars on um, social media, we can see their inner workings of their life now, right? We can see how they live, how they drive. And yet they're still waking up unsatisfied. Like I've seen some of these movie stars, they'll scan the room, their spouse, and the other one's laying in the bed going through social media. I'm like, they're just like us. They have all the fancy cars, and we think, if I just had that life, I'd be happy. And you get there, and you find out it's unfulfilling. So the scripture says there that the righteous gives and holds nothing back. Why? Because that's what I'm designed to do. When you are got God in you, you want to give it away. And I'll explain more of that in just a minute. When my dad was young, um, he was uh, 15 when he, which is the, my dad is the overseer of our church, just so you know, I'm the lead pastor. We have three churches here, uh, Faith Builders Church two in the Midwest, one here. And my dad, who was young in the Lord, or 14 or 15 years old, started raising himself, and he did that. He uh, got the house. He got the really good-looking wife. He got some pretty kids, I think. He got some grandchildren. <laughs> you know, he got the house. He got the, uh, no kidding, a boat, a motorcycle. I had it all, and then lost it all because he was miserable. Because there's a hole inside of us that if we don't have Jesus, we have nothing. But when you have Jesus, instinctively, God says, I put something in you to give. We need to be givers of ourselves, givers of our resources, givers of our time. And giving is this. Giving is not about what you're giving to. They store it up. Giving is about what I'm giving to is changing someone's life. So I want you to see that when you give, I'm changing someone's life, right? And then what happens, because it's the law, the scripture, God just gives it back to me. I can't stop the overflow of God, but we've got to kind of got it gift up. Well, I'm blessed, I'll be blessed, right? I give, I'll give it back. No, I'm giving to change someone's life. I'm giving to love on children. I'm giving to help restore marriage. I'm giving to set drug addicts free, amen? It's giving with the purpose of changing someone's life, and then God can't stop the blessings. The Bible says the blessings chase you down when you're giving to God, Amen. All right, so let's keep going here. So then, also, my daddy ended up finding Jesus. He was in a hotel room, lost it all. My mom kicked him out. He had enough money in his bank account to buy a little tiny Bible. And he sat in that hotel room all night long reading his Bible. God delivered him of alcohol the second he walked down the aisle. And listen, God gave it all back to him and more. Amen. Why? Because we don't live for ourselves. We live for the kingdom of God. And that's truly what makes us happy when we're touching other people's lives, amen? So 
I'm going to give you three mindsets this morning really quickly, and hopefully it'll unlock some things in you that will uh, open up your mindset to be extravagant in your generosity. Amen? All right. Number one, the first mindset we're going to talk about is the bag. The bag. There is never enough. And unfortunately, these are, this is a place where most of Americans live in. Many of us grew up in this place where we had just enough, didn't we? I have to store up what's mine because I only have so much. So there's never enough to go around. So we live in this mentality that's kind of like a poverty mentality because I only have this and I have to make it stretch so far. So how can I give away what I only have a little bit of? That's a lot of us, isn't it? Amen. I remember when I first started the church, I was 20 years old with my parents. And for the first year, nobody knew this. I worked for free. I'm 20 years old with no money. How horrible is that? Like every 20-year-old shout amen. You need money. I need gas in my car, right? I need things to travel, whatever, lipstick, whatever, nails done. But, you know, 20, I said, I'm going to give, give my life to Jesus, and I'm not, my life is not my own, you know? And so that whole year, I didn't work for a salary, and nobody knew that. Nobody knew it. And then I'd find money under my uh, keyboard at the office or somebody would walk up and bless me. And it was such a humbling time. Isn't it humbling to receive? I'd much rather give than receive. But it was that time. So what happened, though, is when I did get a paycheck, it was like $200 a week. And nobody knew that either. It was 200 bucks a week, which was, was no money, <laughs> you know. And I, what happened is I developed this mentality of the bag mentality. Even though I love to give and I love to bless people and I love the church, I got stuck with, I only have $200, you know? And so I had to ask God to undo this just little amount and trust God to give it away to bless me with more, which of course I did learn to do. God can break that poverty mentality of lack, amen? My grandma, I don't know what part of the story I was going to share it, but I'll share it now. My grandma was raised in extreme poverty and uh, they didn't have any food at that time, and what she would do, she had seven siblings. She would run to the dumpsters after dinners were served. She'd run to the dumpsters behind restaurants. She would get food for her siblings and bring them back home and prepare what was left over in the trash. And she did this year after year after year, taking care of her family. Well, as my grandma got older, you know, those Italians, they know how to make money. And so they made a lot of money. She was a millionaire, had a ton of money in the bank, but she still had a bag mentality. And what happened was she had a house, and her house was so huge, but she had a room that was just full of food and stacked to the ceiling because she was afraid of running and out, even though she had millions in the bank. See, God wants to unlock that poverty mentality that makes it that life puts us in a bag, doesn't it? Life puts us in this mentality, but God says, I want you to give and watch and see what I won't do, which I'll explain to you in just a little bit, okay? And as the word challenges you, is my mic okay? As the word challenges you, Please don't be shut off by saying, well, she just wants my money, because you don't even have to give here. Give where God calls you to give. Amen? So you can challenge this word according to his word, not because I'm trying to get anything from you. I'm not receiving an offering at the end of this, I promise. So we can just relax, amen? This is something that unlocks us. This is like an awesome thing. It's a thing that will bring you joy in your life when we can break this kind of mentality. So the bag, the bag mentality, you know, we don't want to have that limited thinking in our mind. So let's open up to Haggai, or look, Haggai 1.6. Look at some scripture verses. This is a point in scripture where... They were being challenged by God to rebuild the temple. Now, the Christians had no place to dwell. 
They had no place to worship God. They had no place to gather together. And God was challenging them, I want you to take your resources and rebuild my temple. But Haggai, in this story, they were living for themselves. They were just trying to get by. Amen? How many can say amen? Just trying to get their needs met. That they weren't listening to God that says, I need you to take care of my temple first. I will take care of you. God's word says, if you take care of my house, I'll take care of your house. Amen? Because it's spiritual, and this, this will come together here in just a minute. But he said this. He said, you eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. How many of you ever got like a bonus check in the mail, like maybe $1,000? You're like, yes, this is awesome. And then like a week later, you're like, where did that $1,000 go? You're like, gone. I, don't even, I can't even allocate where it went. Because when you don't give things to God's first, it's like sand in your hand. You can't contain it. It's a hole in the bag. And that's why we're striving and we're striving and we're striving to get out of a pit. We're striving to get out of debt. But it's a hole. You're not going to get anywhere because God is looking for us to put him first, amen. You'll never be fully satisfied in life until we put God first in every area of our life, not just in resources. So I know our hearts may be saying today, I wish I could give more, but there's not enough in the bag. I really want to do better, Pastor Barr, but there's not enough in the bag. God wants to break that bag mentality today, amen, for yourself and for your family and also for the kingdom and whose lives you're called to change. Let me give you some things that you might speak if you have a bag mentality, the mindset. Number one, I don't have enough. Money doesn't grow on trees. Has anybody ever said that before? We'll have to go without. I need to work harder, harder, harder. The rich get richer, richer, amen. Let me share this with you this morning. If you look in scripture, you'll study about Judas. And what was Judas responsible over? The bag. And Judas had a heart issue about money. He wanted more money. He was trying to keep track of what money was in the bag. Now, he was a thief, and we know that, so I'm not calling you a thief today. But it's a heart mentality. We need more in the bag, more in the bag, more in the bag. We don't need to distribute, right? And you look at the other spectrum of the story. we got Judas over here. Then you've got the other story where a woman named Mary who encountered Jesus. She encountered a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ. And when she left that moment of time with Jesus, and you can study it in Luke on your own, she went and left the room and went to her house and brought back her expensive perfume. And it was sealed. And I know we know the story, but it was sealed. And she walked in that room, but because she had experienced Jesus, something inside of her heart changed. It says, my life is not my own. And she took the most valuable thing, which was a year's wages in that time. And she broke the seal and she poured it on the head of her Savior, which was symbolic. And I don't know if she had a revelation, maybe she did, of his death, burial, and resurrection. But she didn't just twist it open and give him a little bit. So there you go, Jesus, I got that revelation right? She said, no, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to be extravagant in my love today, amen? I'm going to be extravagant. And then there's Judas, who is still sitting in the room, and what happened? He looked at her extravagant generosity and said, how could you do that? What a waste to pour that on Jesus. We could have done so much more with that. We could have taken that money and started a business and made more money from it. Do you see our bag mentality? 
It's a bag mentality. But he didn't understand she was doing something spiritual, giving her best first, knowing that God, who ended up at the cross? Mary was at the cross. She followed Jesus till his death and his resurrection. Amen. That's extravagant giving. We never hear more about her struggles. We never hear more about what she's gone through. We never hear more about her because she was blessed by God. And what did Judas do a few days later? He betrayed his Savior. For what? 30? For a bag. You guys got it. For a bag of money. And I'm not saying you're betraying Jesus. Please hear my heart. You know that's not what I'm saying. But I'm talking about the heart. Jesus is saying, just give it to me. You know? Not all of it. I don't need your whole, he don't want your whole bank account. <laughs> he wants you to have wisdom. When he calls on you, be extravagant, amen? Be willing to open up your time. We've been challenging people. If you're in a grocery line and you see a woman, pay for her groceries. You don't know what that's going to do to that mother, amen? Maybe a mama with a lot of babies, buy a bunch of diapers and just throw it in her cart on the way out to the car. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about building the church, amen? You're going to reach people for Jesus outside these four walls. And then you're going to bring them in, and we'll equip them just like this. We're going to give them life-giving messages. But God is calling us to the highways and the byways. We're blessed to be a blessing. Amen? Give it all away. Judas had a distorted view of money, and it ended up destroying him in the end. All right, number two, we're going to talk about a mindset. It's called the basket. In the basket, there's enough. Thank you, Jesus. I would love enough. Amen? And let me show you these kind of blessings about the basket in Deuteronomy 28, verses 2 and 5. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. So what is he saying there? Pick up your cross, deny yourself, and what? Follow me. So all the blessings are going to come where? In your baskets and your kneading trough will be blessed. See, God wants to bless what you have if we learn to give first. Look at Luke 6.38, and I'm building to a really good point. Luke 6.38 says this, give and it will be given to you. How does this law of reciprocity work in the kingdom? By giving. Now, if I was to be up here preaching today and I have, by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. You know, from your head to your toe, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. We'd all be shouting out, amen. And you do. And we should. And all those messages are wonderful. But when it comes to money, it's like sometimes we go, why am I here this morning? Why did I pick this Sunday to be here? Because God wants to unlock us. There's something about the area of our generosity that God wants to unlock in our hearts, to free us up, amen? Just to free us up so we can do what God's called us to do. Give, and it would be given to you. He didn't say, keep, and I'll give it to you. He didn't say, hoard it all up, and I'm going to give it to you. He said, give, and I'm going to give it back to you. And how's he going to do it? Good measure pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Now, that's some pretty big blessings, isn't it? So why did Jesus say it will be given to you? Why did he say it that way? Jesus understood that if you keep what you have, that's all that you're ever going to have. And that's okay. We can live our life and love Jesus and keep it all, and that's awesome. Again, it's only what the Lord is requiring of you, not me, what the Holy Spirit's asking you. But God knows his law and you'll get this revelation in a minute. When you give, he'll give it back to you, amen? If you store, that's all that you're going to have. Or you can give, and he will multiply what you've given. So if you just say you gave to the church this morning, and I know many of you did, what's going to happen with that money? It's going to multiply for lives to come to Jesus Christ. 
because that's the purpose of this church. And there are people in this church that marriages are restored because of this church, delivered of addiction because of this church, forgiven people because of this church, amen? Somebody shout amen. Why? Because somebody gave to this church to make this here available, to hear their truth that they needed to hear, amen? So God wants us to give it away. So let me give you an example in the word of God. Oh, Jesus understood this. Let me put this up there. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, I guess I said this, God multiplies. What you keep is all you have, but what you give is what God multiplies. Now let me share a scripture with you, a story in the Bible, and you'll find it in the story of Ruth. You'll see examples of it and many other places, but there was a uh, rich, generous landowner, and he would hire people to go out into the field during the day, and they would harvest the field. And as they would go out, they would take baskets, and they were paid an hourly wage wage to go out all day, mine the field, go out far out into the field as far as they could go, take their baskets and come all the way back to the barn and dump it in. Okay, so can you imagine being that person? If, if I was that person hired hourly to do that job, maybe I wouldn't have to move so fast because I'm like, I'm on the clock and I'm getting paid on the clock, right? I can take my time. Or maybe when I get out in the field, I can maybe fill my basket half full because it's pretty heavy to carry all the way back, right? That mentality of I'm going to do just Enough, right? That's the world's way. And then you got the other people, though. What they would do is on, when they would farm the land, the rich owner would say, leave extras on the sides of the land, make piles, and let the poor people come at the end of the day once a week and let them gather the grain to feed their family. So all day you got these hourly wage people just barely filling their baskets or whatever they got to do to get their job done. They got their salary, right? That's their pay. But then you've got this other crew that shows up on Friday morning or Friday evening, and they've got their baskets, and their mentality is, I have to get all I can get because I have to feed my family what's in this basket. And I only get to come once a week to fill my basket. What kind of difference am I going to think, right? So that person goes out to the edge of that field, and they fill up that basket, put a measure in it. What do they do? Press it down. Wait, I got to get some more in my basket. I better shake it. I'm going to press it down again. I'm going to shake it, press it down again. What? Because I'm going to take care of my family. This is the blessing that the rich owner gave me, and I'm going to get what he said I could have. And he got that ble- they got that blessing and went and took care of their families. That's the kind of blessing God wants to give you. He doesn't want you just to get the just enough. No, he wants you to have it all. And to bless and to be a blessing and to be blessed again. I know this last week I'm moving, so I'm giving stuff away, giving this away, giving that away. And our little missionary said, well, be careful because all that stuff's going to come back to you. Like, you got like five TVs one time. I don't want five TVs. That's why I gave away TV, right? Because that's God. We give with no intent. But God says, but wait, I'm going to chase you down because you're my kid. I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to bless your business. I'm going to bless your marriage. I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to give you overflow because why? You sought me first. That's all God's looking for is I need to be first in your life, amen? Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. I gave this example in first service, but I don't think people were icy drinkers. Does anybody drink ices like from iced tea, those little slurpy drinks? How many do? Just raise your hand. I'm curious. Y'all are missing out. Is this a health-conscious church? So I, I just learned this technique. I'll share it with you. I got, uh, went to the zoo with my family, and I was getting one of those ices, those Slurpees. And my niece walks over. She says, you're not doing it right. I'm like, how can you do Slurpees wrong? Seriously. She's like, no. So she took the cup. She was filling up. And then she tapped the bottom of it, like tapped it on the counter, and it dropped. I was like, oh, my. Filled it up some more, tapped it. 
I was like, this is the greatest trick. Nobody's ever taught me this before. Then when it was to the top, I'm like, yes, I got all this extra Slurpee. I was so excited. Then she did the coolest thing, put the dome lid on it. And you put more in the dome. I was so excited. I'm like, I don't even think I can drink all this. It'll make me sick, but I got it all. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. Amen. More than enough. Let them press it down. Let them shake it together. Let it run over. You'll be blessing people so much, and God will bless you so much, you won't even know what to think. Amen? Because God is so good like that. Okay, let me give you an example in the Bible this time. There is a, 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 a widow in the Word of God in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 17. You can study it out on your own. But this widow had, was very poor, and she only had enough flour and enough oil to make one loaf of bread. And she said in the story, I'm going to make this loaf of bread. Me and my son are going to eat it, and we're going to die. That's all she had left, the bag, right? And that's so hard. And in walks Elijah, who's been traveling, and he's like, feed me. You know, you need to feed me that bread. And she's like, wait a minute, but I'm hungry, and this is the last time I have with my child, the last meal that I have, and you want what's mine? I can't imagine the faith that it took in that widow's heart. It takes extravagant faith to give to God. It is not easy. I know God isn't asking things of us that are easy to give when we're so limited. But when we do, we will see we serve an almighty God. And how big that he is that he owns a cattle on a thousand hill. And he's so limitless in what he can do, amen. And this, Elijah said to her, will, Elijah, will you trust me and give it to the man of God? And this woman did something so courageous and she said, yes. And she made that bread, watching her son, probably frail and, and skinny, bloated stomach, dying. And she said, I will trust God and give to the man of God. Because she's probably heard of Elijah. She's probably heard of his miracles and what he's done. And that must have been so difficult for her, but she's probably going, Jesus, please, let there be a miracle as I bake this last bread. And he fed her. And you know what we know in history about this widow? She never went without. The Bible says her baskets never went empty, or she ran out of flour. Why? Because she chose God first. If you go into the New Testament, there's a story of Jesus. Remember, he was preaching to thousands of people on the hillside. There was probably 5,000 men, 5,000 women, 5,000 children, a lot of people to take care of. Jesus had preached all day long, and what happened? They grew hungry. All of a sudden, stomachs are growling. They're like, we're kind of hungry. We're hearing the murmurs. Disciples come to Jesus. We don't have any food. And up walks a little boy with a basket. And what is he's got? Five loaves and two fishes. First of all, it would be very hard for me as an adult to say a little five-year-old, can I have your lunch, dude? <laughs> Mine! You know, that's my lunch. You can't have it. But we don't see that in that little boy, that childlike faith. He just gave it to the disciples. We don't know how that transaction happened, but he took, they took that, right? He didn't keep his lunch in the basket, but he took it and he gave it away. And what did God do with that little gift? Multiplied it. And what did he multiply it for? People. Not big houses, not fancy cars, not lining money pockets, which God will have his say at the end of the day with people who do that with God's money. Now, if they got their own companies and their book sales, that's fine. That's their resource. But I'm talking about God's money. God's heart is to reach people, 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 
people and show how extravagant he is, amen? And so then what happened? After that great miracle, there were 12 baskets left behind, 12 baskets full. And I don't know uh, how big those baskets were, but I, I was sitting at my desk and I was praying, God, why 12 baskets? And then I realized there was 12 disciples, one for each of them to remember to go how great our God is. Take home and remember that I'm an extravagant God, that I'm a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could think, dream, or imagine. I think God wanted them to remember who he is, amen? Not just was, who he is today because he is the great I am today, amen? All right, all right, the last one, and this is the area that um, I'm working on. God has really worked through me through uh, giving. Obviously, now I'm a, I'm a tither to my own church, and I, I gradually started giving more because that was my level of faith when I was in my 20s to tithe on, you know, my $20 bill. Okay, Jesus, here you go, you know, but I did it, and I just trusted God. Trust. And my whole life, I've been a giver in the kingdom of God. I've, I've tried my best to serve selfishly in God's kingdom, you know. I want this season for our church to be in abundance because I want to do so much for Jesus. So much to change people's lives, amen? Uh, did I say it in this service or second, first, I don't know if I said it here or first service about the water well. I say that here. Okay, I'm so excited about it. I want to do it so bad. So in that, it takes the abundance, right? The overflow of God to work in our life. So the third one is this. It's called the barn. The barn. And it's this. There is way more than enough. God wants us to have a barn mentality where there's more than enough. And if you could see, it's a gradual. Like I said, I had to get there. I had to start giving you know, off my 10% and then trusting God and giving a little bit more. And now I'm at a place where my, I want to give more and I want to trust God for even more. So it's a process. So don't go out of here condemned and be like, I can't even do it. No, start somewhere, amen? Just start somewhere and be extravagant in your giving to someone. All right, let's keep going. Number three, the barn, there's no more no, there is way more than enough. Let's look at Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10. This is my favorite part of the teaching this morning. What does our God want? Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the, everybody say first, first fruits of your crops. And there's a reason for that. The first fruits of all your crops. Then... There will, your barns will be filled to the overflowing. So how do we do it? The first fruit. What does God want ultimately? Do you think God wants our money? No. God wants to be first in everything. Matthew 6 says this, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. So what does God call us to do? Seek him. What do I do at the beginning of the year at this church, corporately and individually? The beginning of the year, we seek God. We purposely set time aside to fast and pray with God the first of the year. The first of the week, I'm going to get up and dedicate my week to Jesus in prayer and worship. And God, make me available. Make me useful the first day of the week, right? The beginning of the day, I'm going to get up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. My life is about putting God first, putting God first, putting God first. And God is saying, I just need you to put me first when it comes to your generosity. And we can do it in every other way confidently, can't we? And God wants us to unhinge some of that and say, I'm going to put God first where he belongs, even in my finances. Amen? That in the Old Testament, the first fruit is actually the word tithe. And the word tithe in the Hebrew is mahasher. And it actually means one-tenth. 
So it all belongs to God. And God is just asking back his one-tenth to his kingdom, amen? This is where we begin to pray and we give to God, God, you are my provider. God, you are my first in everything and every single day. God, I acknowledge that everything comes from you. And I'm going to worship you, God, knowing that it's yours anyway. That's the heart of worship God is looking for, amen? So let's unpack this really quickly. Let me bring this home. In Exodus 13, verse 2, it says this, Dedicate to me your every, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. What is he saying? The firstborn of everything give to me. He didn't say, wait until ten sheep are born. I want the first one. And just if I could get two minutes of everybody just really listening in, because I believe this is where you're gonna catch the revelation of why God's asked us to give. He said, I, I want you to give the first one to me, not the one down the road, the first. But go down to verse 13. It says this, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. That means take the firstborn lamb, and I want you to redeem it. The donkey has to die unless you redeem it by a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. In other words, there has to be a sacrifice of the lamb in order for the donkey to live. If you don't sacrifice the first lamb, the donkey will be no good to you, will be useless, break its neck. So what is God saying? I need to bring a sacrifice of the firstborn, the first, to redeem the, un, the, the unclean. So if you look at the two animals in scripture, the lamb is, an, is a clean lamb, is a clean animal. The donkey is an unclean animal. So God says, I need to sacrifice the clean one. Who was Jesus? What was his name? The Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world. See, Jesus, God, gave it all. He was extravagant in his giving. He said, and, and that's why we look at the Old Testament. It doesn't make sense. It's a spiritual thing. The, the first lamb has to die. Jesus, the first, has to die. The lamb, the, un, the one who never sinned, the one who was redeemed by his father, that one has to die so that we may be clean, so that we can be forgiven of our sins. If it wasn't for the first to die, we would never be clean. So God says, I gave you extravagant giving. I gave you something you didn't even need yet because you're still in your sin. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God gave me a gift I didn't even know I needed. Why? Because he was extravagant. He knew when he gave, thousands of years later, it would multiply into his kingdom. If I gave one the greatest, if I gave my, my, my clean son to lay down his life, it will win the world back to me where they belong. It's multiplication in the kingdom of God. So God's not asking us to do something he never did. He did it. He understands it. He put the law enforced. And he says, if you'll just unlock it, if you'll just break that bag mentality, if you get past the basket, let me fill your barn so that there will be plenty. Not for ourselves, but for the world, for Jesus, for people that are hurting and broken. We've been challenging, look around your world. Is there someone in your, in your life that you can sense they're hurting? 
Be generous with them. Amen? Be others conscious and be generous. Catch the revelation of giving into the kingdom of God, planting your seed into the kingdom of God. This church has been called to reach this city and the nation for Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind. God has called Faith Builders Church for a revival like we've never seen. And some of us have been through some revivals. I was through one revival in my young years, a movement, the Jesus movement back in the day. Nothing will compare to what God's about to do in, his, in this country and for his church. And it's going to take generous, extravagant givers to make that happen. And saying, God, this isn't about me, it's about you. Whatever it takes to build the kingdom of God and change lives, I want to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and close your eyes this morning. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for everyone who's here today, God, that they were meant to be here to maybe heal something in their heart that they were offended by the church, God, or hurt by the church or had a misunderstanding. I pray that healing over their heart right now in the precious name of Jesus, that, God, they could fully understand that your, your church is not about taking, God. Your church is about giving and loving on people, Father God. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that is far away from you, God, that you will speak to their hearts. If there's anyone here that you know you need to give your life to Jesus today, you know you need to surrender all, you need a Savior, and you need hope, Jesus is the answer. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. And it's not just the confessions that's magic today. It's your heart that says, I need a Savior. It's your heart that says, I need Jesus. My life is empty and void and meaningless, and I need a Savior. I'm going to ask every one of us to say this prayer together out loud right after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me white as snow. I receive your grace. I receive your love. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Everybody with your eyes closed, if you said that prayer this morning, just lift your hand up all over this room. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just all over this room. Thank you, thank you, rows of people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for these salvations this morning, God. We thank you for those that have committed their lives to you, Jesus. And we thank you for the unleashing of revelation, of generosity, God. Break the poverty mentality. Break the bag mentality, God. Break that stronghold over our heart and our mind, God. I just decree in the name of Jesus that these households will have more than enough by you, Holy Spirit. Just release those blessings over their lives and their families. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. If everybody just stand for your feet one moment going to release you here. I'm so thankful you are here today and come back next week as we wrap up this series. Um, I'm going to invite our Bible uh, couple to come up forward. In the chair in front of you is an I Choose card. And if you received Jesus in your heart today, you came back to him, please take a minute to fill out that card. You can do two things. Come this way to receive a free Bible, meet our wonderful couple, or take the card to guest services. You can meet some of our pastors and team and receive a free Bible out there. Amen. Amen. All right, I love you all so much. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you next week.